Hello everyone and welcome to LifeWealth podcast. My name is Jason Harwood, CEO of LifeWealth and joining me today as always is James Vandaloo, head of LifeWealth's investment committee. Hi James. Good morning Jason, how are you? Very well, how are you? Oh, I can't complain. Well, nobody's listening anyway. Exactly, so. exactly right, exactly right. So James, uh, in getting ready for today, I uh, went back and listened to our last podcast and at the start of that we talked about how it was nice to be back to some level of normality. Uh, but we were heading into the colder months and that could be a bit problematic with uh, COVID. Uh, heading back to some level of normality, how was the earthquake uh, where you are today? <laughs> if I'm honest, I was on the phone with a client in a fairly intense conversation and I missed it completely. I was on out on my front, front, front lawn talking, but uh, my family came running out of the house declaring uh, the apocalypse and the world was ending. So... I missed it completely, but um, yeah. Yeah. Is it at all concerning that I missed it completely as well because I was on the phone, James? Is that a problem for us that uh, both of us missed an earthquake? Yeah, it just means we're very, uh, very focused on uh, on the task at hand at the time, laser focused. Very good, very good. All right, so let's um, let's jump right in. Um, there's two or three uh, themes we really want to cover off, and they're probably geographic as much as anything today. So why don't we start domestically, um, and then we'll touch on the US and China and, and what all those sort of geographies and, and I guess um, current market conditions mean for portfolios and things like that. So so why don't we jump into Australia first off? Um, lots of data out in the last uh, week or so. Um, RBA comments, um, unemployment employment, uh, housing price data. So we'll touch on all of those. So why don't we uh, touch on house price data straight away? Because that's one that I think many, many people like to hear whether they own houses or whether they don't. It's a pretty key topic. Yeah. And it's pretty unbelievable, really, that the two largest economies in the country have been shut down for the last few months, yet uh, house prices are up 16% over the last last 12 months. So clearly... Um, the housing market is looking through the the short term drama and and seeing a more stable stable time ahead. Um, I'm probably surprised a bit. Like I can understand some of the regional areas getting a bit as people have yeah, um, tried to make a sea change or a lifestyle change mm-hmm. through you know what's been a pretty rotten eighteen months. Yep. But you know, like Melbourne, you've had net um, people leaving, mm. yet uh, house prices are still strong. Um, supply and demand imbalance is well to the fore. Money is cheap. Um, you know, as a lot of our clients know, you, holding cash doesn't pay anything at all anymore. So uh, I think people have decided to put more money into bricks and mortars or even upgraded and wanted a bit, bit more room from the working from home world. So um, it's hard to see how that rolls over in the short term given I think money's going to stay cheap for a little while. I certainly think the rate of growth is going to slow. Yeah. It doesn't appear sustainable, but um, pretty solid. And I uh, I doubt, you know, those wishing for a crash or thinking that it's coming soon, oh, I, I've got my doubts. Yeah, I, I think that's right as well. And we were talking about that uh, before we came onto the podcast. And there's a couple of things we'll pick up as we, as we expand that conversation that you just touched on there. Um, yeah, 16% year on year. In, in the context of COVID and New South Wales and Victoria, um, during Delta time, so the last two or three months, the June quarter, so we're a little bit removed from that now, uh, was up 6.7%. And, you know, there's been a lot of commentary and that's certainly been out of the States and that started to filter into Australia as well that, 
you know, inflation's, inflation's here, inflation's coming. Um, we're going to see that they'll tighten interest rates at some stage because, you know, that's the, that's the mechanism you have or the tool you have to try and impact that. Um, but uh, the governor of the Reserve Bank's been pretty clear over the last week or so, and according to him, he's been pretty clear over the long term that he doesn't see rates going up in the next, well, I'm going to say three years, but it could be two and a half. He's talking about 2024 when rates go up. Yeah, and, and I, no one can ever be certain, but I, I think that's probably correct. Mm. Uh, yes, you are seeing inflation in goods because supply chains have been um, disrupted, uh, commodity prices have been high, but that's been because of the disruption of the pandemic. Mm. Um, the words they use is transitory. I, I'm still in that camp that it is transitory. The one um, area of inflation that I'd really keep my eye on is labour costs. If that takes off, then we're going to really have an inflation problem. Mm. But if it doesn't, I think it's going to wash through. And um, so everyone's talking about it now because they're seeing the numbers. But my personal view is the global economy is going to slow a little bit over the next six months. So that's going to that's going to wash through. And the central banks, as we're recovering from the pandemic, are going to um, err on the side of caution and leave money cheaper for longer. Yeah. Um, so hard to see tightening coming in the next couple of years that causes housing to, to roll over. It's possible, yeah. but it's certainly not probable in my opinion. And, and the labour market comment you made there is a really good one because you know this is how things are supposed to work. So, mm-hmm. so the Reserve Bank doesn't want to lift rates because they're concerned about the labour market. If labour market numbers start to lift, well, then they've got the reason to be able to go, that's the catalyst to actually lift rates. Exactly. And in the US and Australia, there is heaps of slack in the labour market. Yeah. So I think we're a fair way off having real sustainable inflation pressures in labour costs. Yeah. And so let's pick up that because unemployment uh, unemployment numbers came out. So unemployment dropped, but but we're going to spend a little bit of time on this because, yes, it dropped. It went from 4.6% to down to 4.5%. But the the underlying data tells a very different story. Yeah, so it went down, but there was two hundred thousand people dropped out of the labour market. The, the participation rates have um, have been going the other way. Mm. So I think there's plenty of people to come back into the labour market once we get into a more normalised world. Yeah, touch wood. Hopefully next year. Yeah, and then that's when you potentially start to see you know um, rates may potentially, you know, have some pressure on them, I suppose, um, because as a result of inflation. But those things are going to lag. It's going to take some time after those numbers change. Exactly. And they, they're going to want to see see it appear before they before they act. Mm. So uh, I think we've got cheap money for uh, a little while to come. Uh, which, you know, we've talked about here, here before, uh, cheap money, it's still, and we've had it for a little while now, it's still sometimes hard to believe that the numbers we're talking about. In the last podcast, you used the phrase, um, how did you put it? Um, you know, some home loans have got a one in front of them, uh, most have got a two. It, it is still, after all this time, really hard to come to terms with almost. It, it is. And, and remember, there's two places where interest rates are set. One is, you know, at an RBA level, which is, probably most relevant to most Australians because it sets out our, our, our home loans. Um, but there's a bond market as well. Um, and while the bond market has picked up a little bit because of the inflation, it's not a lot. Yeah. It, it, it's not a lot. So it's not too worried about it in the, uh, in the short term. Yeah. Okay. Um, so let's, let's move to um, consumer sentiment, business sentiment, business conditions. Um, 
consumer sentiment's an interesting one at the moment. So, so I'm going to focus on the sentiment for a moment as distinct from, from consumer. Um, we, we were talking before we, we came on, um, you know, just talking on the phone and talking about Victoria today. And it's a pretty, pretty common thing that people are saying, uh, what would you like your bad news to be today? Would you like it to be, uh, you know, the, the pandemic, the plague, if you like? Uh, would you like it to be the earthquake or would you like it to be the riot police that are uh, in the CBD at the moment? It's um, sentiment's an interesting one at the moment. Well, I guess the positive of that is the only way is up. Um, yes, true. From, from here, and I think most people can see uh, the VAX targets within reach now yeah. and the fact that even though it's we've had a really little nasty little cold patch here in Victoria the last few days, generally the weather's warming up um, for spring. Um, so hopefully there's, there's better days again, um, but it really does depend on what industry you are. I've got some clients no, in, yeah. in hospitality and, mm. and, and they're really flat. Yeah. They're really flat. The, the the plan that was unveiled on on the weekend still seems a long way off them getting back to normal. Yeah. yeah so why um, industry is key, isn't it? I mean, it's hard. It's hard not to just be feeling for healthcare workers just every minute of the day. It's 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 there's there's some places really hurting. Absolutely. So um, hopefully things can get a little bit uh, a little bit little bit better in the next few months. Yeah, and so so one of the bits of data was consumer sentiment up two percent last month. Uh, that's really interesting. And uh, I go back to you talking about you know vaccine rates growing. You know, w- what drives consumer sentiment? You know, there's lots of theory around economic theory and things like that. But you know, I just wonder how much the shift of mindset for people of tracking the daily number of vaccination rate, which is by definition a positive, and it's cumulative, cumulative, cumulatively rising. Goodness me, uh, versus daily case count yeah we've been looking at that number you know most people have been looking at that number for 18 months now it's got to drag it down it does but i think even from the government that story is starting to change mm. so um you know and it is a more positive message um it's still a little bit further away than i'd like but um i think definitely the message messaging has changed and we're seeing that overseas it's it's not going away it's going to be endemic mm. and um we're going to have to find a balance yeah, uh, there's no doubt the balance is going to be the challenge, isn't it? And as I've said to many people, it is almost impossible to be right as a leader, whether that be a you know public health leader or a politician. How do you be right? You, it, it's it's degrees of wrong. Exactly, it depends on um, on what you're measuring by. Mm. Without a doubt. And uh, unfortunately, as is human nature, we've all got a different different agenda and biases. Of course. Yeah. Okay. Um, business sentiment was also up two percent. Now I'll, I'll put that in context. It's still minus five, but uh, business sentiment was up two percent, and uh, uh, business conditions, uh, the view on business conditions, was up four percent to fourteen. So um, there is some, let's call it green shoots. Definitely, and I, I think um, New South Wales is leading the way there. They've they've sort of got a plan to um, get things open and try and find that balance. Now, if that's the right balance or not, only time will tell. But um, from clients up there with businesses, they feel like they've got some hope again. Yeah. Um, and we're going to find this balance. So I think that's why optimism has lifted, mm-hmm. even though the cash registers probably aren't quite ringing just yet. Yeah. Yeah. Fair call. Uh, all right. So uh, anything else you want to touch on, I guess, domestically before we, we, we look at the other two that we we're going to touch on, um, you know, the two great superpowers, China and the USA? 
Uh, yeah, and, and again, if you look at the share market, which is what a lot of people use as their measuring tool, it's it's been strong. We're really close to uh, record highs. Mm. Um, we're in that seasonally weak period of the year, September, October. Um, I'm, I'm hoping some of the jitters glow will actually cause markets to come off a little bit more and give us some more opportunities because in public equities, things have been pretty expensive for a while. There has not been much opportunities. You know, some clients have been ringing about Fortescue and and BHP because they've come off a little bit with the iron oil price rolling over. There's some politics behind that though. I think that might be off for a while. So um, I'm not seeing that as a place where we should be fishing just yet. I'm hoping some of the the higher quality businesses um, come off a little little bit little bit more. Um, we'll wait and see. Actually, you know what? We didn't we didn't necessarily plan to talk about this, but I think it's a really great opportunity to, to for you to expand on something. Okay, so you talked about you, you wouldn't mind seeing. We'll just take the share market as a, as in total. You wouldn't mind seeing the share market come off a little bit because that's going to provide some opportunities. In your mind, how do you balance that up for your client portfolios? Because you know, you think at a at a headline level, oh, you don't want your investments to go backwards because that's going to impact the value of my holdings. But there is a trade off, isn't there? You actually want to get some some space to actually invest. Well, hundred percent. And um, you know, clients will be listening, going, "Oh goodness me, I don't want my um, my investments to fall in value, James." What I think are you? That's why we should. What are you talking about? Yep. We only want them to go up. But um, volatility is good yep. because it sometimes gives you an opportunity to buy things. Um, at a cheaper entry price, and mm. and your entry price is everything. Mm. So um, you know what what the sum of returns really is is what you paid, growth in earnings plus the dividend yield. Mm. Uh, if you can buy those earnings a little bit cheaper for periods of time because uh, things are uncertain, it's it's a good thing. So um, so yeah, after a period of pretty strong markets, a little bit of volatility and and the opportunity set growing. To me, is a positive, even though it might hurt us on a on a quarterly return over the long term. Um, the right assets at the right price will will serve us well. And the conversations we've always had with clients is this is this is a long term play. You can make some calls about whether that long term is five years, seven years, ten, and, and and your longer term goals. But but we're not trying to specifically make great returns tomorrow. We're trying to look after you for the long term and your goals. Well, that's that's exactly right. You know, and where interest rates are. Public markets um, have been put on a bit of a pedestal there. They're, they're, they're priced up. Um, pricing them up means the longer term return is lower. It's, mm. it's, it's just a math equation. So a um, little bit of volatility and um, some differing opinions in markets aren't a bad thing. Of course, I don't want them to fall 40% and have that scare that we had in February last year, that's no fun at all. It's almost hard to remember that that was February last year. That was the other side of the pandemic. Mm. But having um, having a little bit of differing views, and we're sort of getting that at the moment between the cyclical stocks, which will, will recover from a reopening, mm-hmm. they've sort of been favoured a little bit, and the growth businesses who had done so well during the pandemic have come out of favour a little bit. And the thought is, well, you don't want to pay for those high-quality businesses on high multiples if rates rise. Yep. Um, but as I said, if I'm in the view, I don't think rates are rising very much. That's probably more the opportunity set that I'm running the ruler over at the moment. Um, I think those high-quality businesses that can still grow in a low-growth, low-interest-rate world uh, are A1 mm-hmm. and then getting some cyclical exposure in sectors that should do well on the reopening, 
but it won't last. So you need to take profit on that. It's not a buy and hold forever scenario. Yeah, that's a really good insight. And, and I guess it goes back to things we've talked about many times um, in our in our podcast. It's signal and noise, isn't it? Yeah, it's signal and noise. There is noise all day, every day, all day, every day, all day, every day. Um, it, it's also about uh, staying true to fundamentals and looking at that in the context of what you're trying to achieve. And, and most times that's over the long term. That, that, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, how many crashes have I had in my career now? It's probably four or five. Mm. Um, you know, everyone thinks it's the end of the world when it happens, mm. but uh, I wouldn't have a client that, you know, hasn't made really good money, whether we bought before that crash or, or after it. Uh, it's all in the process and, and being patient. And, process is the key. And, um, you know, if you buy quality and give it time, usually the results will look after themselves. Don't pay too much. Yeah, great. All right, your choice here. Would you uh, rather start on China or start on the US? Uh, let's go to China because they're a little bit, little bit, little bit closer to, uh, to us. Yes, so, and there's a fair bit of noise out of there in the last, uh, well, it's been coming for a little while, but it's really started to hit mainstream press over the last three or four days. Um, the uh, uh, Chinese, let's call it the Chinese property bubble. That's what's being put out there into the into the press today. Do you want to do you want to touch on that? Yeah. So I have had a few emails and text messages from clients saying, quite rightly, well, what's going on over here? Is this China's Lehman moment? Mm-hmm. Um, are we going to have a uh, an event in China, which a default, which causes global contagion, and you know the potential for a GFC type uh, reaction and a, and, a, and a global credit crunch. Um, now, do I know that answer for certain? No, I don't. But my gut feel is it's more a China domestic issue. And and so you say gut feel, and and I, and I know you, I, I know you're saying gut feel, but there's a bit more to it than gut feel, isn't there? Yeah, well, I can tell you what I base my gut feel on. So um, obviously in the GFC, the big American banks were investment banks. Mm-hmm. Um, in China, Evergrande is a, is a developer. Mm-hmm. Um, and the debt is by and large held domestically in China. So um, it's, I, I, think, I think their global domestic debt is about $19 billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, now, in context, the US with its QE program is printing about 120 billion every month. Um, so it, they could, the US could theoretically take that out in two weeks, yep. right? So the risk of contagion um, outside of China to me looks pretty low. Mm-hmm. It's not zero, yep. um, and it's partly not zero because uh, markets don't always work on. Fact and and rationality, they work on fear and greed. So it's yeah, it's not zero. They do, um, but there's so much more liquidity in the system, and central banks are in a different mode to what they were in 2008. I think it's pretty unlikely a 2008 scenario unfolds. Probably in the next 40 or 50 years, because regulators saw it and had you know have a game plan, which is what they rolled out very quickly when when COVID hit. So I don't think it'll um, be an international incident. It's going to be an incident in China, mm. um, but the central government will probably decide on on who they want to punish here. Um, so some people have speculated on that debt. Um, maybe they punish them. Maybe they bail out um, the mum and dad investors that are in there um, and restructure that debt. So it's not a good thing. Um, there are problems and it, 
probably leads to a slowing of the Chinese property market and some internal issues. But do I think it's a global contagion event? No. Then you could say, well, Australia is a big trading partner with China. So with this slow sales of all, well, the truth is they're slowing anyway mm. because China's not happy with us at the moment yep. and are telling their people not to buy from us. Yep. So um, I don't think there's a massive risk that it's a, it's a global event that has reverberations here. Yep. But keeping an eye on it, um, it's not good for China. Um, so I, I, I'll pick up a couple of things there as well because – Numbers, yeah. There's lots of numbers you can you can pull out, uh, and I'm, I have to apologise to everyone. I can't remember where I saw this number. It might have been OECD um, forecast for the next couple of years. I'll, I'll come to that in a moment. Um, retail spending last month was at 2.5 percent. Well, that sounds okay, but the expectations were seven, so it's you know significantly underperformed. So, so you say okay, property development debt, um, domestic debt, retail spending. There's a lot of things that could have you go. Oh, geez, that's actually a worry. But on the same time, and again, I apologize, I think it was the OECD, uh, they were forecasting 6% growth and I think 6.5% growth for China each of the next two years. They're significant growth numbers. Absolutely. There's been warning signs out of China Mm -hmm. for probably the last 10 years. So this is yet another one. It seems like for the time being, um, the government knows how to pull the levers and and keep things going. Mm. Um, So I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to find a way to deal with this, um, punish those who need punishing, but um, it's well within their power to restructure that debt and not cause a massive uh, level of contagion. And, you know, do they want to see their property market slowing? It looks like they do. They're mm. happy to see it slow a little and yeah. try and get it under control. Do they want to see it crash? No, this is going to cause domestic issues. So um, they've still got a pretty big hand to play to be able to manipulate that. That market, and if I remember correctly, that's a conversation we were having twelve months ago that China does want to try and slow the the, the housing market, and, well, and well, this is a consequence of it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And and there's one other significant headline difference between let's call it the US in 2008 and and, and China in 2021. Um, a significant driver of the 2008, um, I guess, event was lack of regulation or loosened regulation over a long period of time. That That is the complete opposite of what's happening in China. Exactly right. You know, it wasn't, wasn't necessarily the property market. It was the derivatives on layer upon layer, which became too big for anyone to handle. Mm. It's not what I can see from the data I'm seeing out, mm. of, out, of, out of China. It's, it's different. Yeah. Okay. Um, should we leave China there and move to the US? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Um, it definitely feels like a different conversation about the US than it did when we were having these conversations over the last two or three years um, prior to November last year, or maybe January this year. It definitely feels like a different conversation. It's back to what feels like some level of sanity. We're not we're not dropping the word Trumpy too often nowadays. No, no, which is nice. Though he does make a guest appearance every now and then, um, as he did on September 11. But um, no, I think things are going okay in uh, in the US. Um, their economy. Uh, will probably slow in the next few months. Uh, there's a risk that the, the Fed doesn't raise rates but starts tapering those bond purchases. Um, and, you know, while the eyes are on China, my eyes are on the Fed. Mm. That's what I think. They're the biggest game in the world. Yep. What they do matters. Yes. Um, my gut feel is they're going to try tapering, uh, the economy is going to slow, and they're going to have to go again. 
I, I think we're stuck. Yeah, that makes sense. And and there is some there are some real similarities about this conversation about domestically in Australia and, and the US. And, and so we talked in May um, around this emerging theme that inflation was a worry in the US, yeah, and that could see mm. interest rates rise and all those sorts of things. Um, but it was pretty much flat in August. It's up 5.3% for the year, but those real sort of hawks on inflation have kind of dropped away. Now they're not getting that same level of commentary that they were or, or, or hearing that they were sort of four, five, oh, six months ago. De- definitely. So, so the transitory argument looks like it's winning, and um, and quite a few of the macro forecasters that uh, that I rate are suggesting things will probably slow over the next six months and get a little little bit little bit tougher. Mm. Um, you know, that's not really a scenario where it's likely to see uh, inflation get out of control. Mm. Uh, what's interesting is a little bit of fear in China might um, cause a bit of capital return back to the US as well as the safe haven so yeah, that's a good point could strengthen uh could strengthen the usd a little bit mm. um you know as a business we've got a lot of a lot of investments in us dollars so i wouldn't be too disappointed if uh if that happens mm. um but i think things are going okay uh you know we look at the health issues they've had um i like american football so uh you know, having the TVs on, seeing the crowds in the stadiums and college football absolutely heaving. Mm. Um, and I know it's not over, but uh, it's positive. Yeah. Certainly a positive to see that things are slowly getting back to, I, I won't say normal, because I don't, I don't think normal as we knew it is going to be the same uh, for quite some time, but a, a level of normalcy is nice. Yeah, that's good to hear. Hey, uh, you and I don't talk about American football very often, but I'm just sitting here uh, thinking about you on the other end of the line. If you were playing American football, you, you'd be a running back, yeah? I'd want to try and get under the legs of those big big, yeah. uh, big linebackers. Yeah, fear's a, an incredible driver, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so so probably coming towards the end of the, the podcast now, three, three main geographic um, themes, I guess, that we've touched on, domestic, uh, China, and US. Is there anything else sort of uh, in conclusion that you want to touch on with regard to all of those things and impact on portfolios and impact on our thinking at the moment in working with clients? Yeah, obviously the year hasn't quite panned out the way um, the way we all would have would have hoped with more disruption to the economy over on the east coast here in in Australia. But despite that, markets have been relatively stable. Um, interest rates play a massive part in that because, like it or not, there's a perception there is no alternative than buying property or, or, or shares to get a mm-hmm. get a return. Therefore, those asset classes have done quite well. And um, it's hard to see that narrative changing, right? So as I said, valuations are higher, which means the return forecasts, unfortunately, are lower. But um, if you're getting 5 or 6% out of equities, um, while that is pretty disappointing historically, um, Compared to cash at sub one, yes. it's still five times the return. Yep. All right. And you're going to have to accept some volatility to get it. So, um, what we accept that um, we're just trying to find assets that are, we think can deliver a decent return sustainably for clients. Mm-hmm. That's why we wouldn't mind a little bit of volatility. Um, you know, credit and fixed income is hard. The returns are low 
um, if rates do rise, they're at risk. So you're taking risk of rates rising for very little re- reward in the short term. So mm-hmm. it's it's a hard trade. You know, you've got to get the got to get the timing right on the on the exit, and the reward's very low. Mm. Um, so that's why these asset classes are still doing well. Yep. Um, it's also why for um, you know we have different levels of of clients, the wholesale clients, but we're trying to do value add deals. Um, try and create value rather than hope markets mm. keep rising. Not, not yes. everyone's in a position to do that. Yeah. But um, you know, pursuing opportunities like that, uh, even private credit's interesting because Australia in, is in the unique pre- position that post Royal Commissions a few years ago, um, even some really good projects can't get money. So if mm. you can put together a syndicate and fund them, you can get a return much higher than you could from putting money in the bank. So. Yeah. Um, you know, there's still opportunities to invest. Um, it's just a little bit, little bit trickier, and that'll, that'll change yeah. again. But um, we can find things to put money to work. We just got to be, got to be patient. And if we do get some volatility in the back end of this year in markets, some people are going to be grumpy and go, "Oh no, here we go again." I would urge them to say, "Don't think that. Look at it as a positive, and it gives us a chance to." really flip the lid on some portfolios and maybe get some new exposures there that we're struggling. Like, I don't think we've ever bought less equities than we have in the last six months for clients. You know, people think, oh, James, you're not ringing me about stuff to buy in equities. There's nothing to buy. It's not, I'd love to, but it just, it's a little bit tough. And that's that patience piece you talked about. There's a second thing I'll pick up up there on on the patience piece is, um, the work of the investment committee, um, there's a significant amount of due diligence work that the uh, investment committee is having to do for some of these opportunities that we're looking at to try and generate these returns for clients. Yeah, that's right. And we think we've, we've, we've got some interesting opportunities there and we hope public markets for clients who have mostly portfolios positioned that way um, throw up a few more opportunities in the, in the next few months. But by and large, making sure that your asset allocation was appropriate for you and doing the right thing. Um, and I'll, I'll, a couple of you know clients listen, I've had a few clients that have called me in the last even the last few weeks and they've looked at their super fund returns for 30 June last year. And um, they might have been running 50-50 in terms of risk, so defensive and growth or, mm-hmm. or 60-40, quite conservative portfolios. And they've said, um, oh, James, my fund got 16%. You know, that's a bit disappointing. I've had a look and Host Plus um, has uh, done 20%. Mm. And um, Host Plus run at 92 growth, eight yeah, defensive. Right. Yeah. right. So um, that's comparing a race car to, to a 50-50s, a, a suburban wagon. It's, it's built to do a different different job. Um, but where asset prices are, I, I don't think that's a, disappointing return at all um, to get that. And I think there's no way um, Host Plus at 90, 10 will, will get 20 or even 16 in the coming 12 months. I think they're going to be lower. Mm. So the question is, do you want to add more risk here when we're saying assets are at record high valuations and yes. global growth is slowing? Mm. Uh, or do you want to maintain that diversification? Mm. Um, now, the clients that are aggressive have gotten those returns. So it's not a, not a lifestyle thing. Yeah. It's an asset allocation thing. Um, I wouldn't be going risk on here and adding more risk at close to record highs with a slowing 
economy. Mm. That, that's that's my view. If 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 our discussions tagged you as a balanced or yes. a, or a moderate investor yep. over time, now's not the time to mm. put the foot down. Even though it's frustrating that you're getting very little on your defence. Um, we won't know exactly when you need it, but it'll it'll come. And and our position over a long time, LifeWell's position, and it predates me being here in 2013, we'll start from a position of defending you and then we'll try and get those returns over and above that. Absolutely, absolutely. And those, those that, that, that want to take risk and it's appropriate for them, do it. But our, you know, our pension clients that have been used to a level of volatility much less than markets when you had the drawdown, um, I would say to them, be patient at these valuations. Mm. Um, I think there's a little bit more in it, but it's not the time to be going all in. Um, it, it's too late. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Um, I think that's a really good place to, to potentially wrap up. Um, uh, on behalf of you and I and all of Life Wealth, uh, I just want to say to all our clients that... Um, a very common theme amongst our team and our group is that we actually miss our clients. We actually miss seeing them. We certainly do. Um, I cannot wait to be face to face with with clients, and you know we do a bit on the phone and on on Zoom and get through and do a little bit of tidying up. But I, I can't wait to to get in front of them and um, you know hear how they're going on a more deep and personal mm-hmm. level than you can do over over technology yeah. and. Um, and move forward and hopefully the next year or two is a lot better than the past 18 months. Yeah, agree here, here. Um, and so on behalf of all of us, I, I just want to say to everyone, uh, please stay safe. We are still very much here as we have been all the way through, here for your calls, here for uh, text messages. We get a lot of text messages and uh, happy to work on that for, with, with people. Um, we are genuinely looking forward to seeing everyone and uh, you know, reach out if you need us and hopefully we'll uh, see you all soon. Absolutely. All right, thanks, James. Thank you, Jason. Hopefully, the next one will be in person. Absolutely. You stay safe where you are. Okay. Bye, everyone. Bye. The information in this podcast is intended to be general in nature and does not take into account your personal situation. Therefore, it does not constitute and is not intended to be financial services advice. You should consider whether the information is appropriate to your needs and where appropriate, seek professional personal advice from your financial advisor.